Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, we're clearing the docket. Hi, Judge Hodgman. Welcome to my chambers. I've decided I'm going to be like a, like a crypt keeper. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I be a Dracula? You can be a Dracula, and I'll be a crypt keeper. And we are nowhere near Halloween. <laughs> but I've decided... I've, I've, I've decided Judge John Hodgman's Chambers of Justice should be an EC-style uh, uh, horror comic. Oh, that sounds fun. Do you know what I mean? Maybe we'll get Ape Lad to work on, on, uh, on, a, on an issue of that, or maybe we'll do it as an anthology. Is this just because you have that wasting disease? It's mostly because I just said, welcome to my chambers for no good reason, and then I decided I had to make <laughs> something out of it. Well, oh, um, I wish I had that wasting disease. Are you kidding me? I know, we all wish we had wasting diseases, right? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Because I installed this tapeworm into my colon to lose weight, and it's doing nothing for me. (laughs) You installed it in your colon? Yeah, well, I was, you know, I was in Los Angeles for quite a while. (laughs) Right. I just, I I am now, I am now back in, in Brooklyn, New York, where I live. But I was in, as you know, I was in Los Angeles taking, taking care of some filmed entertainment needs. Mm Mm-hmm. Culture needs me to film some entertainment from time to time, and I go out there and and uh, and I give culture what it wants. Right, me sure. and one or two episodes of a TV show. Yeah, well, and and you and I and you and I did some recording together as well in the beautiful hot box of farts in the Maximum Fun headquarters. <laughs> yes, the HP, the HBOF. And now I, and now I'm back. But in in California, I, one of the things that always amazes me about Los Angeles is that everyone certainly within the entertainment industry, is always talking about what they're eating and what they're not eating. <laughs> and uh, and this is a conversation that I love to have. But then someone said, you know what you should do? You should get a tapeworm installed. So I went to a day clinic tapeworm installation center in Beverly Hills, and I had one installed, and it's supposed to eat all my food for me, but I don't think it likes the food that I eat. I actually had mine installed at Sears. It's a really good value, and there's a lifetime guarantee. Unfortunately, lifetime of the tapeworm, which they don't tell you beforehand. When you had it installed, did you choose the neutral blue background or the Forest Glen background? I went or with Forest Glen. Of- yeah, right. <laughs> and I and I brought out the uh, nosegay of polyester flowers and uh-huh. the toy fire truck. For those of you who are not 50 years old like me and Jesse, we're making reference, first of all, to Sears a department store that barely exists anymore. And second of all, to the fact that uh, one used to go to Sears for family portraits and stuff. Back when only department stores were allowed to have cameras, you would go and you would sit with your family or your or your, or your fiancé and you would have a portrait, a photographic portrait taken of you in front of a neutral background or you could choose a Forest Glen or a, I don't know, an Alpine Village, whatever, whatever it was. Jordan and I did that. That was our first promo picture for The Sound of Young America back in our Santa Cruz days. We went, oh, that's a great idea. We went to the Sears Portrait Studio in Capitola Mall in Capitola, California. And it took a long time for us to explain to the gentleman who operated the photography equipment why we right. wanted. We used the nosegay. Uh, we each had a nosegay. We brought out the fire truck. Um... I don't think we wore any hats. We were dressed reasonably nicely. Uh, but, yeah, we pretty much asked him to bring out everything that he had. And right. he was really confused by it. 
um, to the point of being almost upset. And then he figured out what was happening. And it seemed as though we were the happiest clients he'd ever had in his entire life. He was absolutely overjoyed because it was very clear that he did not have a lot of emotional attachment to his uh, employers at the Sears Corporation. Well, you know why that is, of course. You know why he was so confused and then why he had no emotional attachment? Why is that, John? Because your photographer was Joaquin Phoenix doing research for his role in The Master, in which you played a portrait photographer. (laughs) Doi. What year year was it that you guys went in for this photo? I'm going to say 2003. Well, that tracks because he usually does about 10 years of research before he does a role. Here's something from Zachary. My wife and I have bought a school bus, which we are converting to a mobile home to be used as our primary residence. We're oh both believers in naming our transportation. I've always, boy. I've always incorporated my wife's name into any vehicle I'm riding or driving. For example, Street Bob Stacy, Stacy N1K, or Stacy's Sonata in C minor. I am presuming that Stacy's Sonata in C minor is a Hyundai Sonata. One must uh, presume. It may What's, just be a, a particularly classically beautiful vehicle. All right. <laughs> um, or it could be a Ford C minor. Ah, right. <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah, those are only available in Europe. To me, it's akin to the president's plane being named Air Force One, no matter what plane it is. Any vehicle is renamed even temporarily when I am in it. To this, this guy is a complicated scheme. To this point, it hasn't been too much of a problem beyond eye-rolling from her. However, with the bus planned to be our primary residence, she doesn't want it named after her even tangentially. She says that living in a school bus is already weird, and she doesn't want to field more questions at truck stops as we travel in it. I ask you to allow me to incorporate her name into any name we derive for the bus. We're waiting to get a better feel for the bus and her temperament, his wife's temperament or the bus's temperament before we make any permanent decisions but there have been some preliminary discussions this reminds me of perhaps one of the most perfect sentences I ever heard uttered in fact I wasn't even there to hear it I heard of it but our our friend here in Brooklyn Joe DiPietro uh, owner of the No Star Bar in Chelsea and a very funny smart guy who also uh, in his spare time writes crossword puzzles for the New York Times magazine and newspaper, but never talks about it because it's not of his mind to ever draw attention to himself, confronted the uh, new girlfriend of a mutual friend who made it her life's mission to draw attention to herself. And absolutely without malice, and without without any intent of being snarky or mean, after he observed her in conversation for a while, Joe said, oh, I just figured it out. I get it now. You're wacky. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, he didn't he didn't mean it to be mean, but he meant it to make. He, he, but the point was clear that this person had taken on. So many different affectations and so many different um, and was so intent upon everyone knowing about her affectations and her preferences in life and her ideas and so forth that she had cultivated a persona for herself, which was wacky. 
And coming from Joe, who is the opposite of who you know, who does the opposite of wacky, uh, in that he does a lot of interesting things, but doesn't care if anyone knows. Um, it was it was a real uh, it was a real deep observation. Now I have I have fondness for both of these people, and you know, look, I am a I am a cultivator. I think it was so cutting to me because I was a cultivator of affectation since the day I first put on my black fedora over my long ponytail in high school and started carrying around a briefcase instead of being a normal. Uh, and I appreciate how uh, Zachary must have all the time in the world to cultivate the various wackydoms that make his life enjoyable and interesting, such as moving into a school bus and giving it a name. Uh, he and his wife have been married for 20 in the in the in the affidavit I received twenty YOBs, which I imagine must stand for years of bliss, which using that acronym itself is wacky, and so I can only imagine that uh, that since they have been together for twenty years, Zachary's wife completely understands his need to be wacky, that it is part of his life to imagine scenarios where every car he gets into he is the president of cars and therefore it gets a new name because he is in it. You know, given that they've been married for 20 years, he is not a he is not a child, but an adult who is maintaining a certain kind of juvenile playfulness with the world, which uh, I guess she finds enjoyable and tolerable, though it might wear on me because I'm a self-hating, wacky person. So I guess she's okay with this in general, but... Now it seems a line has been drawn. If you're moving into a school bus to live in, as your primary residence, she seems to say, I don't want you to name it after me. And uh, to me, this suggests that after 20 years of bliss, maybe year 21 is going to be a year of change, a YOC, a yak. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe a lot. Maybe a, maybe maybe you have pushed your wife Zachary a little bit too far into your wacky way of life. Maybe school bus living is pushing it a little bit too far. I don't know. I haven't heard from her, but I would encourage you before I make my ruling, Zachary, to take a moment and and turn turn on your turn on your kerosene lantern in the back of your school bus where you are parked in a Walmart parking lot somewhere. And eating meals ready to eat, MREs, and say to your wife, is this what you really want? Or have I made you do this? And listen carefully to the answer. That's just my suggestion. Now here comes my ruling. You can think of a name for your car as much as you like. If it gives you pleasure, by all means, name your school bus slash home. I can't even speak now. Name your school bus slash home after your wife. But let me urge you, once you're on the road and living in the parking lots of department stores, not, not every trucker in the world is going to be endeared to your wackiness. Do not go around saying, this is my wife, Stacy, and this is my school bus, school bus, Stacy. Just be, a, just be a normal person in the world. And by no means are you allowed to paint anything on this school bus unless you're going to paint it an exact replica of the school bus from the Partridge family. So 
You may name your bus whatever you want, but keep it to yourself. Respect your wife's wishes. She she is following you on some weird adventure into vagrancy. Just, you know, give 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 an inch. I really you take a mile. Can I tell you when I was at UC Santa Cruz there was this guy who was at my residential college whose name was Hippie John. Ah! I I won't I I'm not going to tell you how he got that nickname. Why he was known that. But uh one year he he bought a school bus and drove it onto the quad. You know, the quad was not a place for vehicles. But he drove it up onto the quad in between the two buildings of Porter College at UC Santa Cruz and just brought out a bunch of paint and had everyone that wanted to that was passing by for the day paint something on his bus. Like you could, you could hang out and paint a bunch of stuff or you could just paint one thing or you could just paint, you know, go suck a lemon hippie or whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun and I really respected that. Uh, it was great. No, oh. I don't suggest that they do that. Th- th- this couple do that because they're grown-ups uh, who have to be concerned about you know dangerous truckers and whatnot. The thing that concerns me, and this is not the first time that we've had a case where a married uh, a husband is trying to force upon a wife the idea that some non-residential vehicle they have become their primary residence or become a an RV in any case. The thing that puzzles me about this is they make RVs. You know, these things are made. <laughs> and they're made and they're made and and I'm not suggesting that you need to get a land yacht that might be featured on a home and garden television show called Land Yachts or something. I mean, there are a lot of vintage RVs that are really wonderful and cool and have a lot of character. I should say because on that TV show Married that I've been filming with our friends Judy Greer and Nat Faxon and Brett Gelman uh, we ha- the the production very kindly rented us what seems to be a, a, a 1982 RV called a jamboree to hang in to hang out in together uh, between takes when we're out on location. And I have slept in that thing, and I would travel all around the country in that thing. And the be- benefit of those things is they have hookups for water, electricity, and maybe waste as well. You're your school bus does not have any of those things unless you're retrofitting it dramatically and at great expense, in which case, why? And uh, you may end up deciding as you go along from RV park to RV park that it might be a lot more convenient to your lives to have something that is set up, a home that is set up to actually accommodate your uh, food evacuation needs. But good, have fun pooping into a bucket in the back of a uh, school bus for the rest of your life. <laughs> Good luck, kids. What if they, what if he thought of a name that wasn't wacky? Uh, that seems hard. But, you know, like the, you know, the the moon and stars or something like that. Um, or the Lincoln. And then they got a real pinstriper to paint it onto the side of the of the school bus. That'd be kind of neat. Uh, a non-wacky name that is painted? Yeah, like an elegant name painted on the side in an elegant manner as one would on a sea yacht. I think that would be lovely. I love I love that you're that that when pressed your two elegant names for school buses are <laughs> the Moon and Stars or Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so, after my favorite city in Nebraska. Oh, right, okay. 
<laughs> and my favorite shapes in Lucky Charm cereal. <laughs> if you want to have stenciled onto the side of your school bus moon and stars over Lincoln, Nebraska, go for it. <laughs> Here's something from Aaron. My roommate Jules moon and, and I... Wait, wait. Moon and stars... Wait a minute. Since you love, uh, since you love uh, abbreviations so much, moon and stars over Lincoln... No, Massoles. M-A-S-O-L-S. All right, go on to the next one. Here's something from Aaron. My roommate Jules and I have a dispute over air conditioning. I recognize Los Angeles heat is hard to endure, and the fact that his girlfriend sleeps over every night contributes to their likelihood to overheat at night. However, our AC runs very cold, and I often have to borrow a blanket when they turn it on. Not only that, but the AC unit is loud and is annoyingly irregular rhythmically and wakes me up at night. We thought we had this solved by setting the unit to only come on when it was above 72 inside, but lately Jules has been turning it on when it's below 50 outside, when he could open the window to cool off. I would like an order that Jules buys a small fan to aim at his bed so that I may sleep in peace. This is the only point of contention in a dear friendship, and we're both bad at conflict, so we tiptoe around the issue. Please help mediate this dispute. Uh, first of all, Jesse, uh, we are talking about Los Angeles. I left Los Angeles yesterday. And those of you who want to time every, every movement in my life to a particular date in the calendar, this will give you a clue. You guys had a, a, an earthquake last evening, did you not? We did, although I did not notice it. Right. Well, it was not a very strong earthquake as far as I could tell, but some people noticed it and it happened to be centered upon an oil drilling field right around South La Cienega Boulevard where, and people were concerned that there was some fracking that was causing, uh, causing an earthquake and the whole of California was going to fall into the sea as a result. And, uh, and I had left California that afternoon and I really felt like I had just escaped total devastation because in this trip to California, more than others, it feels like everything is falling apart in Los Angeles. Right, Jesse? The drought is terrible. You guys are going to run out of water in about five days. Earthquakes are happening. Doesn't it feel like there's, doesn't it feel like uh, Los Angeles is becoming more and more untenable? I don't know. We just put out a new strategic plan, so that should be pretty cool. Yeah. How about everyone move 500 miles to the east? <laughs> <laughs> too many people, too many people on the end of this country. It's, it's going to tip off. In any case, I think about this because there's so, I mean, you know, the Los Angeles, you live, Aaron and Jules and Jules's girlfriend, you all live in a city that by rights should not exist. You are living in a massive metropolis that requires a lot of water and electricity uh, to in a place where there is not a lot of water and there is a lot of heat, and the electricity requires required in, in no small measure just to cool everyone off so you can live there. No one should be there. And it's uh and and since you are living in such a ecologically fragile place, you might remind Jules to take it easy on the AC a little bit, because Los Angeles can be quite temperate and lovely as it was the past couple of weeks, temperature wise as well as being super duper hot. I don't think that you're saying for a moment that you shouldn't have AC, particularly when it gets into the 90s and above, as does happen. But for Jules to be flipping on the AC when it's 50 degrees outside, after you have already had a conversation about this and have set the cutoff point at 72, 
Uh, that is disrespectful to you as a roommate and a friend, and that is disrespectful to the fate of this uh, delicate uh, state that you are all living in called California. Stop doing that, Jules. I Look, I'm a guy who loves air conditioning. I love to hear it as I sleep. I love to feel it. I love the smell of it. I love to sleep in a well-air-conditioned room. And I, and I sympathize, Jules. But, uh, but what you're doing is, is rude and not okay. So move it back up to 72. Don't turn it on. You can get a fan if you like, but I would not want you to get South Korean fan death. Listeners of the podcast know that if you have a box fan or any kind of fan in your, in your bedroom when you sleep and the door is closed and the windows are closed and that fan is running, the fan will chop up the air and you will suffocate. Or so goes a very, very common urban myth in South Korea. Uh, so uh, I absolutely find in Aaron's favor, uh, Jules, you can get a fan, you can get a fan if you like, but uh, but uh, don't 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 disrespect your roommate and the world by turning on the air conditioner when it's fifty degrees outside. That's ridiculous. Here's something from Tim, Judge Hodgman. I have a dispute with a girl I'm seeing. Is cereal a soup? Oh, brother. I contend that unlike both your salad and sandwich rulings. Every definition of soup could potentially include some form of hot or cold cereal. I seek an order permanently listing any combination of solids suspended in liquids to be classified as soup. That seems like a problematic description. I just denied. <laughs> Get out of my court. You are you are looking you are you are ginning up a dispute where there is none. You are just trying uh, you know, it brings us full circle because when this when this podcast began as a segment on the wonderful Jordan Jesse Go podcast, also under the banner of Maximum Fun. If you're listening to me, I'm sure you're aware of it. The very first case we heard was, is chili a soup or a stew? And I had to give that considerable thought because it was a question that de- deserved thoughtful consideration. And the answer, Jesse stew it is a slowly braised semi-gelatinous meat colloid and therefore is a stew and not a soup what you're talking about is cereal a soup get out of here stop it don't no frivolous lawsuits in my court cereal is not a soup it, uh, i'm trying to explain to you what uh, like is hot dog a sandwich that's a reasonable question is cereal... Am I wrong, Jesse? No, of course not. Only a jerk would even ask that question. Right? You're just asking a question to ask a question. Don't waste my time. In the immortal words of Tom Sharpling, the best show, get off my phone. I'll say this, though. Oh, boy. As you know, I, I'm, I'm famous also, for my yeah. relentless positivity. Yeah. And I'll say that one soup-like cereal that I've really enjoyed is a savory oatmeal. A lot of people put raisins or brown sugar, mm-hmm. maple syrup in their oatmeal. All of those are fine. But I have really enjoyed, if you make oatmeal, uh, especially if you make it with stock instead of water. What? I know. And then you can add some cheese or um, uh, some green onions or... yeah. Other sort of, you know, basic fixins. Yeah. 
you get a really satisfying breakfast dish that I think uh, stands alongside other savory, uh, you know, savory grain-based breakfasts uh, in other parts of the world, like, for example, kongi in uh, the uh, chicken and rice stew soup that is often eaten for breakfast in much of Asia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm just throwing it out there. I, I read about it, an article about it in the newspaper one time. I said, that sounds pretty good. I gave it a try. Uh, every time I have it, I'm very satisfied. A little bit of stock, some oatmeal. Was that like chicken stock? Yeah, like vegetable chicken stock. stock? I like and chicken you, stock. I think it tastes better than vegetable stock, but there's, you know, there's some I, vegetables well, in the chicken stock. Right. Are you and was the vegetable stock your innovation? Mm, I don't think I invented that. Well, I don't even know. I mean, I think you point to something that's very important is that most soups, right, have a broth uh, 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 base, right? They have a broth base that is either uh, a vegetable beef or chicken broth or stock. Stock being uh, a, 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 a heavier version of a broth, a, a, a more less watery, right? But not solid, obviously. Right. Um, dense, more densely uh, uh, flavored with with uh, the flavors of beef or chicken or vegetables, right? And that broth base is, is makes it a savory dish, whether served hot or cold. Gazpacho, I guess, would be a soup. So I kind of feel like that's a sweet, generous thing, which is gazpacho. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are a few there are a few dishes that are based on pureed vegetables, like a vichyssoise, for example, which may have less stock in them but even they right. even even like uh even gazpacho you know you might need a splash of stock in there yeah, even in as any, juicy yeah. as a tomato is there there are certainly out there are certainly outliers but i think we have inadvertently come to a definition of a soup which is that it is that it is a com a, a liquid combination of elements that includes broth uh or stock and does not include milk uh, and so maybe your breakfast, your savory breakfast oatmeal might be kind of a porridgey stew. Uh, but in no way is even, even, uh, is no way is Rice Krispies a, a, a soup. You know this, right? And the other thing is, if you make, if you make your cereal into a soup, you're, you're making cereal wrong. Like if your ratio is such that you just have a few, a few flakes of corn floating around in a milk soup, then you're a weirdo. You, you're you're wetting, you're wetting the dried cereals and bringing them to life, but you're not swamping them with your milk broth. Oh, Tim, you tricked me into thinking about this, and it deserved no thought. I hope you're satisfied. Get out of town. Here's another case. This comes from Courtney. Can you please just mention that yes, non-human mammals can be sentient. Oh, right. I'm getting really tired of people incorrectly correcting me for the use of this word when the word they are thinking of is sapient. The worst part is it is mostly nerds and people with a passion for science who do this. It is painful. Uh, yeah. So, yes, I got a number of letters, not just from Courtney, with regard to uh, whether non-human mammals are sentient or not. Uh, and many of them uh, offered the same distinction that sapient was what we meant. So 
I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look them up. Going to our old favorite Merriam-Webster. Sentient, of course, is commonly used, particularly in science fiction contexts, such as uh, whether or not Data, the android, uh, counts as a human being or not, as being self self-aware. But the dictionary definition of sentience is merely able to feel, hear, smell, and taste. Uh, and be conscious of these sense impressions, which is relatively self-aware. And I would agree that non-human mammals are sentient. Sapient, however, does not work for the kind of self-awareness we're talking about. Sapient merely means possessing or expressing great sagacity, which is to say wisdom and good taste. I am sagacious. Jesse is sagacious. But neither of us are self-aware or know that we are human. Do you see what I'm saying? So uh, even though even though you're right to correct me, Courtney, you're wrong to suggest sapient is a better option. When I think self self-aware is really I kind of what we're trying to get away from. And by self-aware, meaning uh, uh, not not just aware that we have that, that we can we can smell uh, uh, that we can we can smell prey food. Or, uh, or or smell ourselves and perceive and perceive our hands as our own, but also being aware on a high level uh, of uh, that our consciousness is our own, being aware of our own consciousness and and being able to question our own consciousness. Does that make sense? I think it does. I say yes. But Courtney, you're wrong, and I want you to be extremely self-aware about it, maybe even self-conscious about it for the rest of your life. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give 
your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Here's something from Guy. I need your help. I've lived with my friend Kyle for three years. I learned early on that I was the Felix to his Oscar. but we That's managed. a reference to The Odd Couple. <laughs> he agreed. The movie, TV show, and TV show. Right. And I mean, TV show. And t- there, was a third t- there was a third Odd Couple, too. People, I mean, people would know Felix and Oscar, I think, from their legendary portrayals by Thomas Lennon from the state. And what's his face from Friends? Matthew Perry. Thank you. He's a good actor. I, I was, I was going to say, uh, what was the what was the one? Sorry, I got to find it now. Ron Glass of Barney Miller and Firefly, and Demond Wilson as Oscar. Ron Glass played Felix, and Demond Wilson played Oscar in a nineteen eighty two to eighty three ABC version called The New Odd Couple. But go on. He agrees that he isn't into cleaning and volunteered to pay the cable and internet if I kept the apartment clean. I actually don't have an issue with that. 
What I do have an issue with is his busted bedroom door, which he hasn't fixed in two years. A while back, Kyle had a woman over and the lock on his door broke. The woman had to leave for work but couldn't get out of his room. I had to bust down the door action movie star style, and to this day there's a gaping hole in the door that I can see through. I see and hear all of the women he brings over. The hole in the door is an eyesore. It needs to be fixed. I don't want to see any more naked women splayed out on his king-sized bed. He says he'll fix the door, but it's been two years and he hasn't done it. I've actually gone to Home Depot to price out a new door and I've found someone who can install it. Kyle just isn't moving forward on the information I've given him. I need help. I need justice. First of all, I was with you all along there, Guy. Also, second of all, I love your name. Guy, I was with you all along there until you didn't have to point out that you're seeing naked women splayed out on his king-size bed. That was a detail that I found distasteful. And also made me think, maybe you protesteth too mucheth. Maybe you love looking through this holeth. That's my Shakespeare talk. Do you like it, Jesse? Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. You should probably start an improv group and start touring colleges. <laughs> I met one of those guys. The, the, uh, the Improvised Shakespeare Company. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Well, that's one of the 10,000 Shakespeare-themed improv shows across this great nation. Probably the best. Oh, known. no. Oh, now you, oh, you don't like them. I have no problem with them. I bet they're really good at it. I've never seen I, I worked. I worked with a guy named Ross who was part of the original, or claimed to be part of the original group. And he was a very talented guy. And I bet they're great. Anyway. Yeah, this one little detail about uh, how you don't want to see any more naked women. Splayed was the word that I really didn't like. Yeah, that made me feel work. like that that was gross. and made me feel like you're uh, somewhat of a Humbert, Humbertian unreliable narrator in this little short story that you call the odd couple, the new, new, new odd couple. Uh, and, and, and so I would say, why, uh, don't, don't look through the hole, first of all. <laughs> don't, don't, there's a way, I bet you there's a way you can get by that door without looking through the hole to see anyone splayed in there. My, by the way, my compliments to, uh, to uh, the roommate, Kyle, for having a king-size bed. That's a, that's a cool thing. King-size beds are the best. In any case... Use some self-restraint. Don't look through the hole. Call Home Depot. Call the, call the handy person who's going to come over and fix it. Fix the door and give Kyle the bill. Just take care of it. Your, your friend Kyle is a deadbeat and a creep who's having, who has too many girlfriends and can't take care of himself and doesn't appreciate that good doors make good roommates. You're never going to be able to change him. And I hope next time any of those women come out of that bedroom, you let them know. This is, a, this is the kind of guy, this is the kind of guy who, who lets, his, lets there be a hole in his bedroom door and doesn't care if his creepy roommate looks at you splayed all the time. And then they, maybe, maybe those girls will go away and you'll never have to worry about this problem again. And they'll be happier and so will you. Here's something from Jessica. I'm a longtime listener of the show and a huge fan since finding out about your show via Stuff You Should Know. I've been discovering all the other great shows on Max Fun. Thank you to uh, Josh and Chuck for that. I got to see Josh and Chuck, the hosts of uh, Stuff You Should Know, live in person here in Los Angeles. Had a very nice time. Beautiful theater in downtown. 
uh, two charming, funny dudes, those guys. They're two, two of my favorite dudes. We heard to your dismay that you have not been able to get Moxie to sponsor the show. We wanted to remedy this situation for you, so we've sent in a $50 donation to sponsor the show from Moxie. What? We hope this sponsorship from Moxie will benefit the show. Sincerely, Jessica, Kyle, and Moxie Elizabeth Mauerhan. Oh, it's not Moxie the soda, but Moxie the baby human. Yeah. Oh, and there are some photos of Moxie. Moxie's adorable. What an adorable child. I presume a girl? Typically that's... Moxie tends to be the name of a girl. Not to be gender normative here, but... No, Moxie is a girl's name. Yeah. Well, (laughs) technically Moxie is a girl's cat's name. (laughs) I mean, technically Moxie is a sister-in-law has a cat has a girl cat named named Moxie. So that's why. But I but clearly your your child is human, and I congratulate you. And I thank her for the fifty dollars that she obviously earned uh, and uh, sent in to Maximum Fun. As I thank all of the people who donated to Maximum Fun over the Max Fun Drive. As you guys know, it was a huge success, and we're very, very grateful. Uh, also, in terms of things being sent in, Jesse, yeah, uh, I, I, I feel the need to talk about this guy who created a Hodgman double. Yeah, did, he sure did. That, that was intent. Okay, so some of you may know that Jesse and I, uh, a, a few episodes back, put out a challenge to the Judge John Hodgman listenership to create a, a, a patent-worthy design for a double-ended unicycle. That is to say, a unicycle that has uh, that is a, a, a street tire on one end, and then much like a double-ended lightsaber, if you flip it over, there's another wheel. That's actually not like a lightsaber at all, but you understand what I'm saying. Um, so it, it, this is to say, a unicycle with a, with a wheel on two ends and a seat somewhere in the middle and we got two great designs, one of which was featured uh, on, a, uh, on, a, on, a, on a limited edition Hodgman Double t-shirt. We called it the Hodgman Double, or the, that person did. And the other of which received a grant from us to go forth and develop it. And then a third person, someone named Paul Bruneau, uh, went ahead and made it. <laughs> <laughs> he, made, he made one of these things and, more surprisingly, tested it. And even more surprisingly, did not die. And in fact, lived long enough to send us this email. Dear John Hodgman and Jesse Thorne, in 1980 at age 12, in an effort to become more interesting, I took up unicycle riding. Oh, I get it. You're wacky. A couple years later, I acquired a six-foot twin giraffe model unicycle to become even more interesting. Since that time, I have lived an empty shell of a life thinking I had reached peak interesting. Then along came Hodgman Double. Hearing about it on your podcast and then seeing the excellent drawings, I knew I had a chance to become yet more interesting by building and riding a working prototype. So here it is. One of the clamps failed almost immediately during the maiden test ride, so I had to hold the upper part in position as I rode it. But the exercise definitely demonstrates the feasibility of your invention, I know. I will tell you that the two drawings you and Jesse picked were the soundest designs and easiest to build from among the submissions. I altered them only slightly by using 45-degree clamps instead of a 90-degree clamp and bends that both set of drawings showed. I also chose to utilize two different wheel diameters, a 26-inch knobby tire for mountain riding or touring and a 20-inch, which is more suitable for trick riding. Uh, You can use this text or video in any way you wish. And I am. I'm reading your thing out loud, and the video URL is currently unlisted, but it will be public by the time this podcast airs, and you can all go... 
to uh, to our uh, our website at maximumfund.org, and you will see the video. And I urge you to go over to uh, through the link to Paul Bruno's uh, YouTube channel and like it because it's pretty incredible. Unfortunately, we have to sue him for violating our patent. Uh, and double unfortunately, um, this uh, new unicycle doesn't make you more interesting. Do you know why? You already are interesting. You're a guy who would make a thing. You don't have to do wacky stuff to be interesting. Do wacky stuff if you wanna. But we, I think you're already plenty interesting. Also, don't move into a school bus. That's all I got. <laughs> you know, I first encountered a mountain unicycle at the aforementioned Porter College at the University of California, Santa Cruz. And Jordan and I are going to be headed back there for the 50th anniversary of UCSC and the 34th anniversary of my birth on April 24th. Oh, happy advanced birthday. Thank you very much. Uh, we are doing a show at the Kumbwa Jazz Center, which is a real place in I Santa know. Cruz, California. Um, and we have a murderer's row of entertainers. We're going to have the great John Vanderslice there, who folks have probably heard on our uh, Live in San Francisco episode of Judge John Hodgman. I got to sing a song with him. We're going to have the hilarious... Uh, Bucky Sinister there, who is a uh, poet, novelist, and stand-up comic, as well Fantastic. as a guy who looks exactly like Walter from The Big Lebowski. Uh, we are going to have the UCSC High Tones all-female a cappella group there. Ta-da! Yeah, that's exactly what they do. They sing. That's their signature song. And uh, it's going to be a blast. Uh, uh, the proceeds are going to benefit our college radio station, KZSC, which is... Uh, the heavyweight 88. Uh, uh, I, if it weren't for KZSE, I would never have had this career that I have. So we're, I am very grateful to them, and, and I know Jordan is too. So if you live in Silicon Valley or you live in the Monterey Bay Area, you live in San Francisco, uh, you live in San Luis Obispo, you live at Hearst Castle, uh, drive up, drive down, drive in, drive out. Uh, come see us at the Kumbu Jazz Center on April 24th. It's going to be a blast. The tickets are on sale now. Go to MaximumFun.org, and you can find the link there. And Jesse, I actually do have one thing that I would like to announce. I have uh, I have a, a big tour coming up this fall, and not many shows before the summer. But I will tell you, there is one coming up that I'm very excited about, and tickets are on sale now to see me in Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, at the not just in Charleston, West Virginia, and not just as part of the summer festival lineup, but at the Scottish Rite Temple. You know how much I love performing in Freemasonic temples, right, Jesse? Oh, it's, that's like what you live for. It's, it's something that I've done before and, and just love to do. And I'm so excited to be visiting Charleston, West Virginia. I've never been to West Virginia. Uh, I've always wanted to go. Uh, there is a, 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 a young man named Chase Henderson who's worked very hard to put this together. This is a guy that I have met at show after show of mine as he drives hours after hours to get from his home in West Virginia to the various places that I do deign to play in, such as Pittsburgh and parts of Ohio and other places that are near West Virginia but never quite there. And, finally, and I said to him, I will go and perform there in the land of my brother and my brother and me if you can help me figure out a place to perform. And he did it. And not only did he do it, but he figured out without my even telling him that I love to perform in Masonic temples. And so it's going to happen. It's on June 22nd, 2015 at 8 p.m. in the evening. 
Tickets are available right now at www.festivalcharleston.com. That's festival with two L's, festival and Charleston, all one word. And uh, it's a great summer uh, arts festival. Trombone Shorty is playing. Lots of other great, uh, lots of other great acts. June twenty second. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and um, and uh, I encourage you to buy tickets and come see me. Hey, and guess what? You're on Jordan Jesse Go this week. What? What? Yeah, people who have not re- yet Judge John Hodgman listeners who have not yet checked out Jordan Jesse Go. Now is the perfect time. This week's guest, for the first time since he made his original appearances as Judge John Hodgman, the first time in many years. John is a guest on Jordan Jesse Go, so you can hang out with me and Jordan and John for 90 minutes on this week's episode. It is a blast. It is a delightful episode. I'm very happy with it. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to record it. Has it happened yet? Yeah, we already did it. We just did it the other day. I know. I was trying trying to pretend that it was happening live. Oh, yeah. Well, it's going to happen live. No, we already did it, everybody. Sorry to ruin the magic. And we had a great time. So listen to it. Get into your iTunes and subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go. Okay, that's it. Our producer, Julia Smith, our editor, Mark McConville. Thanks to them. For Judge John Hodgman, I'm Jesse Thorne. We'll talk to you next time. Uh, and I'm John Ho- I'm still here, Jesse, and I'm Judge John Hodgman. Now say we'll talk to you next time. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHo. For Judge John Hodgman, I'm Jesse Thorne. We'll talk For to you Jesse next time. Thorne, I'm Judge John Hodgman. We'll talk to you next time. We got to work on our sign off. Bye, everybody. Bye bye. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.